This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right. Happy summer, everybody. I know it doesn't really feel like summer because it won't stop raining. Is anybody else done with this rain? Raise your hand. Anybody else? You're the true Texans. Send this mess back to Seattle where it came from. Let us have our summer. Please, Lord, please. I'm so, so glad you guys are here. It's going to be an exciting summer, and we've got a lot of, a, a lot of fun, great things planned for everybody. I don't know about you, but I, I love road trips. Who loves to travel? Raise your hand. You love to travel. You love road trips. Now, where are those that this first service, it was really half and half, to be honest with you. Who does not like road trips? You don't like road tripping. Now, now, now I understand what you're thinking. Why would I want to be stuck in a minivan with people that I didn't choose to live my life with that got chosen for me by God to have to drive across the country in an enclosed thing bringing everybody's air, recycled air. I understand that sounds really, really terrible. But I think that there are some amazing things about roaches. We love to travel. We love to have fun. We love to travel. I love showing my children parts of the country, parts of the world. In fact, we got to travel to Canada one time. We were preaching in Canada, and we got to take our kids with us and it was a lot of fun for them, and, and we got to show them the Northern Rockies and, and go to Banff, Canada. It was a lot of fun. In fact, I think we've got some pictures from previous road trips. I'll show you some of these as we go along. This first one was us when we went camping with the kids. I don't know what Bradley's doing, but he was really into ACDC at the time. Um, so it's, it's good parenting. So he was really into ACDC at the time. Um, what that picture doesn't tell you is that we went tent camping in August and it was 105 degrees. So the fact that people are smiling at the end of this trip, God still works miracles, everybody. So it's, it's a powerful moment for us. This next picture was the first time we went on a family road trip with five of us. Bradley, you can see the little car seat behind my head. We were, we were on a road trip in our suburban for the first time with, with three kids, not just two. And, you know, I don't know, we, one of my brother-in-law said this one time. He said, why did you on purpose outnumber yourselves. I don't know why you did that. You had man-to-man coverage, now you got to play zone. So it's just kind of how it went. But the kids were happy, kids were smiling, they looked so tiny and so little, and we're smiling big through the fear of what's about to happen on that road trip, but we, we made it through. This is probably one of my favorite ones. This is Kelly in Hollywood. Uh, we were on Hollywood Boulevard, on Hollywood Boulevard. She found two Jack Sparrows, and this picture was taken right after she almost got in a fight with Spider-Man uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. That's a whole other story. I will let her tell that story in one of her own sermons, because if I tell you, she'll just have to correct all the facts later. So I'll just let her, let her tell you that story later. Uh, but we love going on road trips. We have a ton of fun traveling and and seeing new things. And I'll tell you what, this series is going to be a lot of fun because we're following the Apostle Paul. He took four epic road trips. Your Bible calls them missionary journeys. I think the word road trip sounds more fun. He went on four road trips. They were pretty powerful trips. From those trips, there were millions of people that subsequently became followers of Jesus. And I'm so glad that he did what 
he did. And even in the back of your paper, paper Bibles, if you've got one of these big honking things, at the back, there are all of these maps. And if you were raised in church, no one ever told you why. I, don't, I grew up in church, no one ever told me why there were maps back here. But now we're going to tell you a lot of Paul's journeys are back in those maps. So we're going to follow some of his journeys, some of his road trips, and we're going to learn about the people he met, we're going to meet those people ourselves. We're going to discover the places he traveled to. And most importantly, we're going to learn the spiritual lessons that he risked his life to share. Really powerful stuff. Now, his first missionary journey, he went to Galatia in AD 46. And he went to the island of Cyprus first. This was his first stop. I've got a picture of Cyprus now. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, those preachers, I'm suffering for the Lord in Hawaii. That's what Paul was doing. No, this is actually what it looks like now. It didn't really look like that then. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to me that a place like this was one of the first places he went. We're going to dig into the history about why that's important in a minute. Now, if I love the beach, and if you know me at all, you can know me, we'll go to dinner one time, and you'll discover I hate, loathe entirely being cold. Anybody else with me on that who, who hates being cold? Now, where are you weird people at that like to bundle up and look like the kid on It's a Wonderful Life, and you, and you, and you like to bundle up? Now, somebody told me in first service, hey, it's okay, but you know, I can put on a bunch more jackets, but you can only take off so many clothes. It's like, but then I get in the water, and so it's, everything's fine after that, but I do not like being cold. In fact, it's a little cold in here right now. I don't like being cold and having to layer up to simply live, no thanks. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'll take a lounge chair, some sand, some good music, a cold Dr. Pepper in my hand, and a body of water, please. I'll take that any day over being cold, and especially after we all went through that hellacious freeze in February. May it never freeze in Texas again, in Jesus' name. Paul didn't go to the island of Cyprus to vacation. He went there on a mission. And really he had a fire in his belly, something ignited inside of him that took him all over the place. In fact, he traveled far more extensively than Jesus ever traveled. Jesus only traveled about a day's journey away from where he was born his entire life. It was the disciples and the apostle Paul that took the gospel everywhere else. It's one of the manifestations of what Jesus said, greater works will you do. Jesus never preached to the crowds as large as Paul and all these other guys did. Jesus wasn't responsible for bringing thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands to faith after one sermon. In fact, after Jesus preached, he went and hid. He went and hid because people were after him. These guys were responsible for planting churches, establishing leadership, launching churches, establishing elders. They were the ones that took that farther than Jesus ever took it. And I believe that's one of the things that Jesus meant when he said, greater works will you do when I leave, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do these things. And the world was set on fire through these four road trips, really important things. Now, Acts chapter 13 is where we're gonna be today. And I'm gonna summarize it for you. We're not gonna read the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy. But you've got Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark Paul has had his dramatic conversion to Christianity already. He's left his former life as a Pharisee and as a rabbi, and he's left that life. And all of the people that were in his life before now subsequently turned 
against him. So now he's in a place of trying to discover what's next for me. What do I do now? He's now surrounded by friends and family wondering what those next steps are to be. And then we find him in Antioch with his friends seeking the Lord about this. From Antioch, he gets his marching orders. We're going to dig into that in a minute. And he travels to the island of Cyprus, lands in Salamis, and begins preaching the gospel. So he lands on this side of the island, begins to travel his way, walking about 150 miles on foot, ends up at a city called Paphos. And he began to preach there where he met a governor, the governor of Cyprus named Sergius Paulus. There he shared the gospel with him, and he was saved. We'll dig into it more in a minute. Then they travel across the sea to Perga, then to Pisidian Antioch. There they encourage a congregation of Jews. They began to preach Jesus there. People started receiving Jesus and making Jesus their Lord and Savior left and right. Thousands of people all over the place meeting Jesus. They were joyful for this good news, but not everybody was excited about it. The prideful, the selfish, the insecure religious Pharisees were jealous. The Bible actually says that word specifically. They were jealous and began to find ways to end Paul. After preaching Jesus there, Paul eventually travels to Iconium. We'll dig more into those cities in subsequent weeks. But our, fo- our focus today is on the very first stop of his first road trip. His first stop on his first journey, specifically what happened in the city of Paphos. Paul, uh, Paul has so much to share with us in a couple of short verses, and we're going to dig into it in a minute, but a little bit about Paphos first. Paphos, Cyprus, was reputedly the birthplace of the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Now, I found one of the only pictures on the internet that is appropriate to show in church of her. Um, so this, this is one where she's actually clothed, but Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, passion, and procreation. Obviously a very, a very popular goddess. And so there is something important for us to learn about this. Paul's going right to her hometown. Obviously, this is Greek culture, and they are living their life based on this mythology. The Greek goddess, it says, it was said of her that the Greek goddess Aphrodite rises from the foam of the waves of the sea, enchanting anyone who sees her, inciting feelings of love and lust wherever she goes. And she had a son. His name was Eros. Eros is a Greek word, also his name. It's a, he's the Greek god of lust and primal sexual desire. That's where we get the English word erotic. He was considered the protector of same-sex love. So you can see here the degradation of morals and the degradation of truth. Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark were walking into this self-gratifying, self-worshipping culture in the self-worshipping capital of the world. A culture that by its own mythology was degrading at a rapid rate. And they were embracing this degradation. Does that sound familiar to anybody today? Kelly and I were shopping all day yesterday. We didn't have the kids. It was a miracle of God that 
Kaylin went to spend the night somewhere and the boys were with my brother-in-law. We found ourselves childless. So what did we do? We ran ourselves ragged at stores instead of resting. So really smart of us. But we, tra- we walk- drove around all around town and got some things that we needed. And everywhere you go, it is being forced upon you to embrace an ideology that's anti-biblical, especially in the month of June. You and I have to know what the Word of God says or we will be led astray just like our country. We've got to know what it says. Paul is going into a culture that is completely anti-God. They only want what Aphrodite and Eros can give them, and that's sexual pleasure and desire. This is the site of Paul's first road trip. He didn't really ease into this, did he? He just dove right into the deep end, but I don't think Paul really knew that. He just took the step that God told him to take. Sometimes you and I aren't going to know exactly where God is taking us, but we just follow one step at a time where he leads. And he walks into, the, he gets into the island of Cyprus, into the city of Paphos, and begins to discover Sergius Paulus, begins to discover even a, a Jewish magician false prophet, which we'll meet him here in a minute. But I I read in Acts chapter 13 very interesting road trip rules. you got to have rules when you're going on a road trip. you got to have, or the minivan will turn into anarchy. you got to have rules on a road trip. We're going to talk about Paul's three road trip rules. But before we do, I thought it would be fun and really helpful to you as you prepare to travel this summer. I thought as your pastor that I would do everything I can to equip you to travel safely and sanely, okay? So, 10 essential road trip rules that I think you'll find full of the Holy Spirit. Number one, everyone uses the bathroom before leaving. Everyone, everyone. But I already went, don't believe you, go again. Everybody uses the bathroom before leaving. And all God's people said, amen. This one is really, really important. Number two, the driver chooses the music and controls the air conditioner every time. Who agrees? Say yes. The driver chooses. If you want to choose, then you drive. But the driver chooses the music and the air conditioner. You can wear a blanket. I can't. I'm not driving in a Snuggie. That's weird. So I can choose the air conditioner. Rule number three for road trips At all times, the co-pilot, meaning whoever's riding shotgun, must remain awake. This is really, really important. I don't know what this feels like because when we get in the van to travel somewhere, it's like a magical mist falls into the van. We barely get onto the interstate. Everyone's asleep, but I've got to stay awake for 14 hours. Doesn't seem very fair. We're going to talk about more of this in a minute because the co-pilot needs to be available to dish out instructions and, 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 and be able to dish out directions and adjust the radio as ordered. Feed the driver french fries. Unwrap my burrito and make the wrapper like a little handle. Make it easy for the driver. Make it easy for me. Number four, rule number four, all gas stops should be efficient, as efficient as possible, and all the dads are saying, amen, get your, get your hind pa- parts back in this van. To be specific, gas stops are, are defined as such. Gasoline, 
clean the windshield. Every dad has to clean the windshield. It's just a thing. It's kind of weird. Every dad's got to do that. Go to the bathroom. Maybe get snacks if you're allowed to, if you've been good in the van. So every, those, those are what the, these trips are for. Everybody participates unless you're sleeping. Rule number five, it is the responsibility of those in the back seat to hand out snacks and manage trash. You're already freeloading this whole trip. You might as well do something. You might as well make yourself useful in this van. Number six, a very important one. Don't overlook this one. Acceptable snack foods should not smell or require napkins. No egg salad sandwiches. Don't go into the, don't go into the convenience store and buy something weird. Don't, we went to, we were driving through Louisiana. We stopped at a gas station. Someone got back in the van with boudin balls. I don't know if you've ever smelled boudin, but it should not be in my recycled minivan air ever, ever. They should only be eaten outside in open air. Number seven, never trust a motel that costs less than $75. Never, never. And never trust one that rents by the hour. I'm trying to help you, everybody. I actually saw one of those in Dallas. I didn't think it was real until I saw it. Run away as fast as you can. Spend 30 extra dollars and you will save your life. Rule number eight, when you pass a speed trap, it is nice to flash your lights at oncoming cars to warn them of the danger that lies ahead. Who was raised that way? You flash your brights at people coming down because there's a, there's a, there's a county police officer, somebody hiding behind the welcome to whatever sign and he's going to make sure he nabs you because that's the only action he's going to get all day long. So they're going to make sure they get you in these small towns. Beware. Number nine, this is so important. Stay out of the left lane unless you're passing or move faster than the rest of traffic. Don't speed up when someone tries to pass you. Admit your defeat and move on. This is really important. No one ever passes me but I'm usually the one passing everybody else. And again, if they're all asleep, you can drive as fast as you want, right? So you can get there quick. And this one is probably the most important one out of the entire list. Always, always, always hold it if there's a Bucky's within 262 miles. Always hold it. You might die at a regular gas station. Always hold it, because at Bucky's, there's always beaver nuggets and brisket and Jesus to be found inside a Bucky's. These guys are on a road trip of a lifetime. And they, they went on this trip, and I don't think they were even certain that they were going to come home at a specific time or if they were even going to make it home. But they go on this road trip, and their mission was driving it. They, they, they knew what they were to do they may not have known every single town to go to. It's not like Jesus shared a Google map with them with place markers. They were just told one city to the next to the next. There are three key lessons, three key road trip rules that we find in Acts chapter 13 that I think are going to really help you. And we can learn from them and apply them even to our lives right now, even our lives, even today. Road trip rule number one that we see from Paul Always travel with friends. Have you ever traveled alone? So boring. 
And I'm not talking about a short trip like to Dallas or something. That's not a real road trip. I'm talking about like 10, 10 hours away. That's a road trip. 14 hours to Colorado from here. That's a road trip. Every time we drive to Colorado, halfway is Amarillo. We're not even out of Texas yet. We got to stop in Amarillo for the night before we even make it into New Mexico. There's, there, there's, there's something powerful about having the right people around you. We see in Acts chapter 13, Paul was not alone. He was not alone. What's interesting about Cyprus and Paphos is that was Barnabas's hometown. It's amazing to me that what's close to our heart is probably also close to God's heart. And God sent them somewhere very close to Barnabas's heart. Look at verse 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were many prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. All of these guys were together, worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. After they fasted and prayed together, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Other people surrounded them, prayed with them, fasted with them. You know, it's a real friend that will deny themselves something they want in order to help you achieve your goal. That's a real friend. That's someone you can rely on, someone you can count on. They were supported by a group of people. And from that support of a group of people in Antioch, they were given their next step in life. Barnabas and John Mark were with Paul on the journey. He didn't go alone. And as it was already said in the video announcement, summer small groups start today. The roster was live last week. It starts now. If you've not even gone online and looked at the roster, today is your day. That's your next step. Go look on the roster. Every one of us need people around us to pray with us, support us, stand with us. And I believe that we have been conditioned for the last 18 months of our lives to be isolated. We have been conditioned that isolation is normal. It's not normal. In fact, it's anti-biblical. You were created to be in community. It was never, never, never God's plan for man to be alone. God always wants people around us to fast with us, to pray with us, to support us. Some of mine and Kelly's darkest times in life, we made it through these seasons because the people that we were living life with came around us and made sure we made it through. You need people around you. And I believe that the success of your steps in life are directly correlated to the support system you have underneath you. We all need people. We all need genuine friendships. We all need people who would pray with us, fast with us, fight for us, and hold us up when we're tired. So everybody say, go with friends. And now say, go on purpose. You've got to go on mission. I know it's really trendy and kind of hip and cool right now for people to like sell everything they own and buy an RV and then just drive and not know where you're going. To me, that breeds such a level of anxiety in me to not know where I'm headed. I want to know where I'm going, where my gas stops are on the way there. How fast can I get around the hellacious traffic of Austin and, and where, where I can make sure um, that the, the kids can get a snack? I want to know all of this stuff on the way there. One time, Kelly and I were traveling through New Mexico, 
And there are lots of parts in New Mexico where you don't get cell service. And so we had done something to ourselves that we thought would be fun. It was sort of fun until it didn't work all the way. We were like, let's don't take phones on this trip at all. We will take a paper map and highlight our route from San Antonio all the way through New Mexico and back. So we did that, and everything was fine until we were on the way home, and we missed our turn. And you, all you see is a bunch of hills, and you're in the middle of nowhere. And then you realize you're about 150 miles off course. You end up in this small little town, get pulled over by the same cop twice. Within 30 minutes, he writes you tickets both times because this guy obviously hates Texans and hates his life too, so he wants to make yours miserable. I was going three miles over the speed limit, and he gave me a ticket. I wish I could remember the town in New Mexico because I would make sure you never go there. But it was a tiny, tiny little town, and this guy saw me coming a mile away. And, I, and, and we were just lost looking for directions, and I was so aggravated. I think a lot of us, we, we, get, we get very unsettled when we don't know where we're going. Like, what, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Where, where, why are they diverting me here? Why, why is my life going in this direction? Where am I even headed? I want to ask you, do you even have goals for yourself spiritually? Do you have goals for your finances? And have you, have you prayed about even relationships in your life? We, a lot of us are living life accidentally. We're letting things happen to us and then just reacting to it instead of living life on purpose. Look at Acts chapter 13, 2 through 4. Commission Barnabas and Saul to a project I've called them to accomplish. So they fasted and prayed some more, laid their hands on the two men, and set them off on their new mission. Having received special commissioning by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went to nearby Seleucia on the coast, and then they caught a ship to the island of Cyprus. Look at the Passion Translation says, I have called Barnabas and Saul to do an important work for me. Now release them to go and fulfill it. Let me say this to you. I want you to be sure of where you're going. Be sure of where you're headed. I think a lot of us are, are just hoping that we make it to the next paycheck. We're just hoping that we make it to the next day. We're just kind of hoping that this marriage makes it, hoping that this, my, our kids make it. We're not really activating intentionality to make sure we know where we're headed, make sure we make it. Distraction from our purpose and our calling is a real thing. And it really, really happens. Reminding yourself often of what God has called you to do and what God has asked you to do is very, very important. Just like my wife said earlier, we got to remember what God said. So when opportunities arise to share the gospel with somebody, which is just the word, which just means good news. When the opportunity arrives to share good news with somebody, you'll be ready because you're living life on purpose. And in order for you to live life on purpose, it's really important that you know what your purpose is in God's plan, in God's purpose. We have a way to help you with that. It's called the growth track. And it's tonight from five to seven. We do this once a month and we'll feed you We'll feed your kids, and, and you'll come to the church office and ministry training center. You'll get to hang out with the staff and the leaders, 
And Kelly and I are going to share with you the vision, values, purposes, culture, all of that of the church. And then you will get to do some really fun things where you'll take like a spiritual gifts test and a personality test. We're going to put all that together and just really see how God wired you. And it's really, really a lot of fun. And light bulbs start to go off. And we help you take some intentional next steps so you can cooperate with God's plan for your life. So if you're not signed up for that, there's still time to do that. You can sign up today. And you can do that on the website, very simple and easy to do. What did Paul do when he was commissioned? So it said Paul was commissioned, said that he was basically given marching orders. The simple thing that Paul did is obviously he started immediately, he didn't wait. He started immediately. The simple thing that he did was he shared what he knew, which was the gospel. He shared the story of what had happened to him. Nowhere in the Bible do we see Paul getting up and giving some big Bible college lecture. He simply shared what happened to him. So when people tell me, I don't know how to share my faith with a neighbor, I don't know how to talk to this guy, I don't know how to share this with a coworker, you just share with them what your life was like before Jesus, you met Jesus, now what is your life like now? And maybe some of you are thinking, my life's not any different. I would wonder, did you really meet Jesus? Because when we meet the true risen Jesus, we can't help but have something start to change in our lives. We begin to live life on purpose. We begin to live life on mission. So what is the good news of your life? What is the good news of your life? What could you share with somebody about your life that would point them to Jesus? Again, nobody needs to be a theologian or a Bible scholar. You just need to be real. You just need to be you. That's what Paul did. Look at Acts 13, 15 through 39. We don't have it on the screen. It's a little long to read. But Paul gives an exhortation to the group that's there, gives them a timeline of the gospel of Jesus of what had happened to him. Not because he went to Bible school, but because he experienced it firsthand. It happened to him. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that God provided a way for man to be free from the penalty of sin. That through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have been set free from sin and we have been given a purpose and now our lives can make a difference. This message was so relieving and so refreshing to a group of people who have been under the heavy hand of religious tradition and judgment. The gospel, the good news that Paul was sharing with them was like a breath of fresh air. In fact, the Bible records in Acts 13, 42 that the people kept begging that these things would be be spoken to them again. It's like, Paul, Paul, I know you just shared the whole story, but but my buddy wasn't here for the first part. Can you do it again? I I, I know you just told us all about how Jesus rose from the dead and his tomb is empty, and the Holy Spirit came down. I, I know you just told that whole story, but can you tell it again? It's like when I'm reading books to my kids at night, and they want to read the book all over again. Tell me again. Tell me the story again. I, I want to know it again. I want to know the characters again. These people rejoiced upon hearing the good news. And can you imagine the joy in their heart because they had just been told that the debt of their sin had been paid. 
Imagine if somebody called Sally Mae on your behalf and paid off all your student loans. You'd be dancing like David in the streets, excited, screaming, yelling, telling the neighbors, all of this has been paid. Now up that, Annie, big time. We're talking about sin and eternity. Our debt has been paid. They were amazed that Jesus was alive and real. What good news this would be, right, to a hurting, lost person. I wonder how many people around you right now in your life are wandering through life aimlessly, and you as a person who are living life on purpose could help lead them to that purpose as well. How many people need that? In fact, Paul says, uh, or sorry, in Acts 13, 43, it said that the people urged him to continue. They didn't want church to end. They just kept telling him, say it again, say it again. Paul said in his letter to the Romans, in Romans 5, 8, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still a mess. Isn't that good news, everybody? Somebody say amen to that. It's so, it's such good news. And I think sometimes you and I, if we're not careful, we can become desensitized to how powerful of a truth that is. May we never treat that as common in our lives. Because I believe firmly that right now in our country, in our culture, in today's time, people are in need of good news now more than ever. People are wandering around hopelessly. Well, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen on the news today? What, what other country did we make angry today? What are the new mandates today? What, 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 what are they saying over here today? What, what did the CDC na- say now? Why am I wearing nine masks? Why, why is there, why, what am I supposed to do with my life? People are so confused and lost and are looking for people to give them the truth. And you and I hold that in our hearts. Dare we not hold that to ourselves, but share it with people because people need peace in their life now more than ever. You have a purpose to fulfill in life. Again, come to Growth Track tonight. Hang out with us. We'll help get you there. If you're on mission, stay on mission. That's awesome. Maybe today is your commissioning day. Maybe today is the day that you are shown that next step to begin living life on purpose. So you want to go with friends. You want to be with people. You want to live life on purpose, live life on mission. And then number three is you want to go boldly. You want to go boldly. And I'm going to share with you why. In our story, we meet a man named Elamas. And Elamas was a magician and a Jew. Let's see what he does in this story. Paul makes his way all the way around the bottom of the island of Cyprus from Salamis all the way to Paphos. He gets to Paphos and meets this magician, false prophet guy, and we're going to see what happens uh, with this opposition. Look at Acts 13, 6 through 7. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, or Elamos. He was with the preconsul, the governor, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul, and sought to hear the word of God. He was curious. 
I would imagine that a governor of this island would be curious, who are these strangers traveling around my place, talking to people about a man I've never met, stirring up all the religious folk and claiming to save people? I would want to know who they were too. So Sergius Paulus wants to meet with Barnabas and Paul. He's curious, but when he summons them, this guy named Elamos gets in the way. Look at verse 8. But Elamos the magician opposed them, seeking to turn the preconsul away from the faith. There's always going to be opposition to the gospel. Always. There has been for thousands of years. But God desires that the gospel, that the church, reach new people with the message of the hope of Jesus. The preaching of the gospel will always draw in new converts in spite of difficulties, opposition, and outright persecution. The gospel has been outliving persecution for over 2,500 years. We've seen the gospel move and change, move, move and change hearts and change countries and change nations. And we need the gospel to change our nation now more than ever. Here we have Paul and Barnabas sent by the Holy Spirit. They've traveled hundreds of miles and they began to visit some synagogues and began talking to people about the news of Jesus Christ. And now they've got a chance to meet the governor and then they experience opposition. It seems that right in this moment, Paul and Barnabas could have turned around and gone home. Said, hey, this, this got too hard. There's been opposition. I've been there before where you invite somebody to come with you to church, they tell you no once, and you're like, oh man, that didn't feel good. So you back off. You back off and you, and you, you withhold yourself from continuing because we're afraid of the response of other people. I'm so glad that Paul and Barnabas pushed through all of the feelings that they probably felt you and I still feel today because you and I are here because of a work of their ministry. And we'll learn later on how the gospel got to Rome and how that even affected the United States here today. It's really, really important that you and I understand that these guys did not back down from preaching the gospel. They did not simply turn away at the first sign of resistance. No, here's a kingdom principle for you. Opposition is an opportunity. Opposition is an opportunity for boldness, not bashfulness. Opposition's an opportunity. So here's what boldness looked like in that moment. This is what Paul or Saul said. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, Elamos, the magician, and said to him, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, unable to see the sun for such a time. And immediately a mist of darkness fell upon Elamos, and he was blind, seeking people to lead him, lead him about by the hand. I'm not saying that the Bible is giving you liberty to walk around calling everybody, you son of the devil. That's probably not a good evangelism tactic, all right? Probably not a good idea to do that. But in this moment, in this context, Paul knew exactly who he was up against. 
Because there are people in the Bible that were in opposition to the gospel, but they weren't called sons of the devil. They, they, they were simply just overcome by the movement of Jesus. But Paul knew right then, right now, I have to call this thing for what it is. I have to call it out. He knows this guy cannot get in the way of God. He knows that God is working. Now look at what happens after the opposition. God's plan is not interrupted or distracted. In fact, he uses this opposition to bring about his plan, which was the salvation of the Gentile governor. Look at uh, verse 12. Then the governor, the preconsul, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Our world right now needs the teaching of the Lord more than ever. The peace that Jesus can bring, the purpose that Jesus can bring, the power that Jesus can bring, the reconciliation that Jesus can bring. Our world needs it now more than ever. Our families need it now more than ever. But we can't run from opposition because opposition is an opportunity for boldness, not bashfulness. Look at this kingdom principle as well. Opposition does not mark a failure in God's plan. In fact, I would go on to say that opposition is actually proof that you're heading in the right direction. God used the blinding of, of Elamos to bring the governor to him. But the central piece that changed this governor's heart comes at the end of the verse when he says he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Because Paul and Barnabas did not back down from upholding God's word, the word of God spread. I believe you and I can journey with intentionality this summer. I believe that you and I can learn some lessons from Paul's four road trips and we can understand the spiritual principles involved about the people he met and the places he went. And it kind of looks like spaghetti on the maps. It doesn't look like there's any rhyme or reason to it, but I promise you God always has a plan for the spaghetti, we, the spaghetti paths we take in our lives. I think that you and I can journey with intentionality. Let's journey with intentionality. Let's, let's move forward knowing where we're headed. Let's walk with resolve and walk with boldness and let's travel with people who actually care for us and have our back. Let's make this summer the road trip of a lifetime. I believe you can do it and I believe it starts even now because we're all on a journey. Some of us know where we're going and some of us are just hoping we make it to the next stop. Some of us are full of fuel and others of us are running on fumes. Wherever you're finding yourself today, Jesus can help. It all starts with inviting Jesus to give you directions and fuel, but that starts by allowing Jesus to not simply ride shotgun, but to drive. Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes and so is justified, which just means in right relationship to God. And with his mouth he confesses, which means to declare openly and speak out freely your faith. He confesses and confirms his salvation. Today, you can invite Jesus to drive. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, everybody? Lord, we thank you 
We thank you for the truth of the gospel in our lives, God. We thank you, Lord, that there are people in this room that are living life on purpose, that know where they're headed, they know the next stop, they know how much fuel they got, they're keeping track of relationships, they're in small group, they're trying to stay faithful. Oh, God, how great is that? But God, there are also people in this room that don't know where they're headed. And they're driving around aimlessly, alone, running on fumes. They're tired. They've made the mistake of putting people on their trip with them that they had no business traveling with. People that took them off course. But God, today, they can invite someone else to drive. They can catch a break. They can breathe because the good news is for them. The good news of the gospel is for them today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna pray. And everyone's gonna pray together. Nobody prays alone. If today you're making the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you're inviting him to drive, not just ride shotgun and give you occasional advice, you're asking him to drive, you're gonna let us know on your connection card here in a little bit. But right now, your church family, even if you're here for the first time, we don't believe it was by accident. Your family here today is going to pray with you so you can start a new journey with a new driver with a full tank of gas, ready to move to the next step in life. So everybody pray this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to drive Forgive me for my pride and my selfishness and my sin. Today I declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Your word tells me that when I receive Jesus, I am made brand new. So I declare that boldly, that I am brand new and I am a Christian. And I have a purpose, and I'll live on purpose, and I'll never be the same. Never, 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 in Jesus' name. Now all God's people said amen and give God the biggest praise you've given him all day. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.